Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for an episode of 24. It is day four, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. We're at the halfway point. So what can you expect from this one? There's there's action, there's amazingness, there's just awesomeness. I actually just want to quickly read you something to what to expect in this episode. This is uh, written by someone called Ben Waterworth, as he ranked all episodes of 24. So I just want to read this. Um, well, I think mean, the episode was written by Ben Waterworth. Yeah, that I'll, explains I'll, it. I'll get to that. No, the synopsis here. The big halfway episode of season four, and what do we get? Jack and Tony have a chat over MSN, and a company sets off an EMP to stop Jack printing something. Okay, that's what happens this episode, everyone, because this is 6 p.m. <laughs> to 7 p.m., day four, first aired the 7th of March, 2005. Written by Howard Gordon and Evan Katz. Directed by John Cazar. It makes me so sad when shit episodes are written by good people. Like, it's yeah. just, do better. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, ugh, this episode. Uh, my name is Ben, and for the record, I don't like it. Oh, no! The only quote I had! <laughs> do I, uh, I'll, I'll but, change it. I'll change it. I'll, I'll, I'll use no, my no, backup. Do you want me to use my backup? No, no, no it's fine. I'm just going to say... Uh, my name is Colin, and my review of this episode, for the record, <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> my other one was going to be, look, <sighs> I don't resent you, um, but uh, you could have probably used that. Yeah, they're literally the only two quotes. Oh, no, there's another one I wrote. Maybe I'll close it off. This episode, I said it last week, the worst episode of the season. Um, yeah, it's just maybe the most cringeworthy scene in all of 24. And it's but like the thing with this episode, too, it's kind of boring. There's, like, just stupid stuff in this episode. It's also, like, really badly written and there's just things in it which are just, like, just so dumb. And this isn't the one I've talked about a few times that there's, like, a, a an episode that's really badly acted that even Keeper Sutherland seems to be phoning in. That's the, the next and the only other bin that's left in this episode according to my rankings. But there's just something about this episode still that's just odd. Um, but it's bad. This is a bad episode. I mean, I, I I gave some of my feelings last week when we were talking about it. Um, I think that there are a couple moments in this episode that really did grab me, and then they really do lose you. Uh, I think the most frustrating thing about this episode is that they reached probably the end of last week, and they're like, okay, now let's start talking about the second half of the season, because episode 12 is next week. We know what we're doing from 13 to, to 24. Yeah. Uh, so what, what are we going to do? How are we going to get there? And they're like, oh, we didn't plan how we were going to get there. Let's throw an episode together that just explains how we're going to get to the second half of the season. And don't worry if any of it makes sense or not. Everything in this episode just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And it doesn't, from what I remember, it doesn't necessarily go in. I mean, we know where it goes, but it's not like 
how we get to where it goes matters in any way. It's like they just said we need something to do to get us to next week. Um, the writing is bad, but like I don't it's one of these situations where I don't think I could fault the writers. I can't fault the director. All I can say is they didn't plan this season enough. And that that kind of goes along with what I was saying when I was listening to uh one of the past commentaries. And uh, whoever was on that commentary was saying, it's like, yeah, we used to plan out the season a lot more thoroughly. And now we just, yeah, we figure we don't care that much. Um, I did hear on uh, whether it was that commentary or a different one that uh, they really made a conscious effort this season to differentiate themselves from season three, which is not received well. Like we said, we kind of remembered like nobody liked the season and they even addressed it. And they're like, a lot of people weren't happy with season three. They said it was because, oh, people can't identify with a virus. Well, that's changed now. Uh, and then the other part being that, like, it was a little bit too heavy. So, like, we wanted to bring some fun back to 24. Oh. So, I, I I do admire their ambition to make this season more fun. You just drop the ball by doing nothing fun in this episode other than have Jack scream at an EMP. <laughs> Which I just want to read here. I've just, um, I've got the book back, the official companion seasons three and four, Tara DeLulio. And just on that with Jack holding an EMP, because I just want to read here what initially the plan was. And I, I'm, I'm really sad that they didn't go with this originally. Originally, the EMP bomb was written as a box with a blinking light on it. But production designer Joseph Hodges got creative and conceptualize a huge hexagonal box suspended in midair to give more drama to the thing. Now, look, I'm just getting to this right now. We've all seen Goldeneye multiple times. Um, that's a fancy satellite in space. We then saw No Time to Die. It's a freaking watch. This is like a fucking computer from the 60s that they sent men to the moon with. Like, and Jack can <laughs> stop it with a pole? Oh, my God, it's terrible. Um, I, you, you do sum it up very well, though, like it. I think there's like there's there's two bits in this episode that I think work. Well, what, there's like a real blink and you miss it moment when they're getting the scrambling off the computer and you see a brief flash of like an aircraft. Now they obviously have set that out for the and this is one thing that I really praise the writers of this season right now is because this is episode twelve that doesn't pay off for like another five or six episodes and like I love this what we're gonna get more of next week is this whole build-up to Marwan's next plan. And I think it's mm. great what they do with that. And you've got a real blink and you miss it here. The other bit I really like in this episode is I love the scene when Paul's looking out the window and you see all the lights go off. Like, that's cool. That's, yeah. like, scary. Like, to me, they waste the EMP. Like, this is just a, it's a stupid fucking storyline about our business, which we'll get to. But, like, this should be, like, a plot of a terrorist, like an EMP, like yeah. Blackout LA, like... And they, they like, it's so, I'm getting to this now, but it's like, this blocks out like eight city blocks of LA. This is a country right now that's had a train crash, that the Secretary of Defense has been freaking kidnapped, St. Gabriel Island, like, his mum's dead. Like, <laughs> the country's rocked, and LA just gets blocked out by, and everyone's like, oh, well, that sucks. On to the next one. Like, I mean, right now, if you woke up to the news that eight city blocks in LA just went off in the middle of the night, and at least in 24 land, 10 minutes later, people are root, uh, rooting, looting, probably rooting while they're looting. This is big fucking news. Whereas mm -hmm. like, uh, anyway, I'm jumping in this episode. I think there's going to be stuff we can gel over very quickly if we don't go on rants. Because let's get through CTU, shall we? Because all that happens in CTU this week, Ugh. sad Aaron, fair enough. <laughs> daughter just killed herself. As we're weirdly reminded by people like, the bad acting in this episode. 
So you've got Sarah who gets a phone call. Who's calling Sarah? Hi, this is <laughs> Jenkins from the clinic. Sarah, how are you doing, Jenkins? Good, good. So do you want to know what just happened? Tell me, Jenkins. Driscoll's daughter just killed herself. Ooh. So then what happens there? Sarah's like, I'll let everyone know. Edgar, eavesdropping. He's just saved America from like multiple meltdowns and he's back to just, he's like, what, what will you tell everyone? Driscoll's daughter killed herself. How? She cut her wrists. How did that happen? I don't know, Edgar. I wasn't there. No need to be hostile about it. I was just thinking out loud. Okay. Uh, <laughs> why? Um, Secretary Heller finds out. Here's his really, when, when Sarah tells Heller, he's got the weirdest look on his face. He's going like, um, remember last week when he had that like really weird look? Like, I don't know what Willem Devane's doing in his face in the last couple of weeks. Aaron walks in. Oh, sad Aaron. Give you a hug. I can do my job because I'm Aaron Driscoll. We have this meeting with the president, which I just got to point out when we're watching president on the screen, Air Force One, still in the fucking plane. Who's moving the camera while he's walking around Air Force One? Like (laughs) literally on the, the Zoom call, there's like a director on Air Force One going, and we want a close up on the president. Now pan across as he walks. Oh, no, he's walking back to the left. Like there's literally someone on Air Force One filming him as he moves left and right. Looks I'm gonna say it's Mike. Yeah, he's yeah. working his way back up. We're gonna get him again. This is the, right now your camera guy, but we'll see uh, your, your performance review is coming up. If it's solid, we might reinstate you. <laughs> might be impossible, Mike, because uh, he will actually appear in this season later on with another <laughs> president who will be president. But sure, he survives what happens on Air Force <laughs> One. Anyway, um, so the president's up to speed. Um, they they have another meeting. Hey, everyone, guess what? Uh, Marwan's the bad guy, which I think everybody knows. Erin's not paying attention. She leaves. I love that bit when, like, she walks out. Is it Sarah who goes, like, oh, are we just going to talk about what happens? And then I think it's Edgar goes, like, oh, what are you talking about? And then I love the way that Tony replies. He doesn't go, like, oh, he's talking He's talking about Erin. He goes, he's talking about Erin Driscoll, and like, as opposed <laughs> to the four other Erins that were in the room. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, Aaron Smith, Aaron Jones. So basically then Tony's all Be like... Be specific, Edgar. Which Aaron? <laughs> Tony's all like, it's okay. Sarah's right. Like, uh, you, I know you've had your ups and downs on Sarah, but Sarah just gets treated like shit in the next two episodes, and I'm on Team Sarah because Sarah is right. They're like, yeah, we need to do something about this. They're like, no, we have no time. We need to keep the woman whose daughter just killed herself 20 minutes ago and whose mind is clearly not on the job in control. So anyway, five minutes later, inevitably, she faints. They call him medical, the fastest medical in the world. Like, freaking Penny from medical was on the case. Oh, I'm feeling okay. Let's go. Get you a biscuit. Okay. She leaves. Um, and then she's all like, I got to go home. Because Helen's all like, you're sad. My wife died. Boo-hoo. Me too. I'm going to go home. And then Tony's <laughs> all like, all right, Secretary Heller, this is bad. I should be in control. But you don't even work here. But I know the computer systems <sighs> and how to boss people around. Okay, you're in control, racist, because their old Curtis rocks up. Number two, um, hi, I'm number two. No, you're not. The white guy wants the job. I'm not comfortable <laughs> with this. Okay. Um, Tony and Curtis have a bit of a pissing contest. Cool. Um, and Tony's been in control for 20 minutes. And <laughs> 20 minutes. I timed it. And then all of a sudden, the EMP's gone off in Jackland. And I love the fact that Tony walks in and he's all like, Secretary Heller, an EMP has gone off. 
and it has set off eight city blocks in LA. We don't know if Jack and Paul are alive and Marwan has escaped. Thanks for telling me, Tony. Your replacement has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the replacement? Uh, Ms. Desla. Do you know her? Yes. I was married to her. And if you look at Willem Devane in the background, he's still got this look at his face. You think he'd be like, what? But he's yeah. just like, oh, shit. Sucks for you, mate. Um, I mean, there's a whole like Tony having an MSN conversation with Jack in the middle, but we'll talk about that with Jack. Yeah. Um, look, I'm all on board for Michelle coming back. And I actually remember watching this episode live. I was like, oh, my God, she's back. Um, so pumped. Rachel Ellsworth back. And spoiler alert. She's only got like 12 more episodes to go, folks, until you never see her again. So make the most of Michelle. And I also love the crossover that we kind of get in this part of the season where you've got like people like Curtis with Tony and, and Michelle, like things like that you don't really think about. But like, I mean, Driscoll, eh, so bye-bye. Thanks, Alberta Watson. Rest in peace. Willem Devane's face. Sarah being treated like shit and just some bad acting and dialogue going. Because there's literally a moment here. I guess you tie more into Marwan. We're like, they're going on about like, oh, yes, and they're at McLennan Forcer. That's the company that we spoke to earlier about the override device. You're right. So then I love when like Tony's all like, all right, Sarah, have you made some connections? I have, Tony. What is it, Sarah? Marwan worked for McLennan Forster. Okay, anything else? They were developing the override. Thanks for that, Sarah. We literally <laughs> did that like six episodes ago when the security yeah. guard, who we know in this episode, they literally have a moment. Is it when Jack meets the security guard? Hey, you're the guy that was on Zoom earlier with me before. How you going, old champ? Like, what is with the dialogue in this episode? I get it. Like, you oh. know, all the audience needs to get caught up. But, like, it's so, like, badly written. Anyway, um, CTU. Um, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on Sarah a little bit, just not because of she's not right in this episode. I mean, on one hand, I'm thinking, okay, if this is Jack, they not only say you can continue to do your job, they give him a promotion yeah. after his daughter is killed I and mean, Kim's killed. And it's like, Oh, I'm the only one who could do the job. All right, Jack. You, you know see what, what happened after day one. Terry's did. Oh, Terry next time. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm Jack Power. Got a fun. Yeah. It's just, it seems just so, out of place in 24 that there would be somebody removed from power this quickly, you know, say, you know what, take the hour. We'll come back after the hour. We'll keep you in the loop or something like that. I mean, Edgar's mom has just died and nobody has even thought maybe you should go home. <laughs> Cause Edgar's a <laughs> man, <Adam> Colin. <laughs> yeah. Adam last season. Like it, my problem with this is that it, it's not that you don't sympathize and it doesn't make sense. Cause what's happened to Aaron is actually more traumatic than what happened with you know, I'm not going to, well, I would say maybe more tragic what happened with Jack because eh. she's seeing this. She, I mean, Jack didn't walk in to see, you know, the knife and the blood everywhere. I mean, he's, he definitely had his dead wife there, but and baby. the crisis was, and baby, yes, uh, the, the, the crisis was over. Um, and, and then as far as Adam and Edgar go, like, okay, okay, their loved ones weren't anywhere near them, but still, it's just, that's not what happens in 24. This is the only time, as far as I know, this might, even going forward, this is the only time anybody's ever been told, you know what, you're going home. Like, we're, we're making the call here. Uh, but with Sarah, what's frustrating is that she's dug her own grave here. So I, I'm not going to say that I don't feel for her, like, for what happens How in the upcoming episode. How is she dug her own episodes. grave, though? She's the one who sends Aaron home. But Aaron's the only person who's given her what she has now. And she's the one who says, I really think that Aaron shouldn't be here. So 
from going forward, everything that happens, it's like, you know what? If you really were that sneaky and it's inconsistency with the way this character's written, they're like, she's all an opportunist. From day one, they're like, she's an opportunist. No, she's not. She's an opportunist. No, she's not. And now she's like, all right, well, you're going to give me this, this, and this. And then she's the one to say, well, I think Aaron should go. So what's going to happen after this? It's like, your only protector you sent home. You were the one who championed her going home. I can see what you're saying, but I don't agree because she, in her mind, would assume that she's processed the paperwork or left a note in a desk. And like, I think the fault is, yeah, within the 40 minutes that her daughter has killed herself, she's not going to be like, (laughs) Oh fuck. Aaron's promotion. Uh, Sarah's promotion. (laughs) That's yeah. But like, I don't agree in the fact that I think that she's still showing ambition because as soon as Michelle shows up next week, she has a right to be like, Oh, Hey, by the way, this is what happened last time. And I think Michelle's a bit of a bitch to Sarah next week. And Sarah's suing the ass yeah. off the government. Um, so yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't agree. No, I, 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 again, I'm not saying like, okay, from Sarah's point of view, she's obviously not thinking, but it's just from the characters. So view. from a certain point of view, yes. <laughs> uh, but it, it's just, the fact is she basically leveraged what happened with her as she should have to get a promotion, to get more money and all that. And then she basically slammed the door on Driscoll and she's not doing, she's doing it with the right intentions. But that's what but- I think that's the difference. Like, so, sorry to interrupt, but I think like, you're right. Like we didn't give a shit about Adam. We didn't give a shit about Edgar, but I think the difference there is, I mean, Edgar, we joked about the fact that he clearly didn't care about his mum because he knew the island was melting down and left it to last minute. I think that, because as an audience, we've had a bit of a build-up, unfortunately, with her daughter, and like clearly, Erin's not handling this. I think this is the difference. And then I think that whether Sarah says it or not, yeah, yeah I don't think it's Sarah who ultimately sends her home. Erin collapses, uh, and then secondly, Hella tells the- her like piss off. So Hella no, wasn't th- in the room th- that, at and that see point. that. That's kind of my frustration, though, is that. Even before that happened, Sarah was literally the first thing she does in this episode saying, I don't think Aaron should be here. But she's right. She's you, not doing that for of ambition. Of course she's right. But 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 from from the point of view of what the writer should be doing, what the audience needs, anybody can say that line. It doesn't have to be Sarah, the only person who actually has an invested interest in having Aaron there. You know, you could have had Edgar say that line. They chose to have Sarah say the line, and then it's basically going to paint them or her character into a corner next week. It's just the character from the beginning has never been clearly established. And there's things they could have done. Like even with her kind of being Driscoll's pet. Well, you've been led to believe from the beginning that it was because she just wanted to get ahead. And now all of a sudden you're going to throw this out there where she, Oh, she's the only one who cares about Aaron. It's like, but, but she doesn't like, cause that's not what's been established in the show. Again, I see what you're saying. I completely see what you're saying. I just, I just personally don't agree. I don't agree that that is how it, I don't see it that way. But again, I see what you're saying. Um, but Yeah. It's, it's, it's a frustration with her character that like, it's nothing's ever been clear on her and she's never really had a purpose. Uh, and at this point they know they're writing her out. So I think that's why it's even more frustrating if they didn't know, Hey, in two, three episodes, she's going to be gone. Mm. And we, they know how they have, this is one of the few instances where they clearly know where they have to get it because the end of this episode is showing you how you get to Sarah being gone from the show. Then just give the line to somebody else. Uh, the other stuff though, why is Heller have a say in this? <laughs> yeah. Not only is Tony not the only people making calls at CTU are the people who don't work there. Yeah. Like we've been given no impression that Heller has any authority. Should it not be somebody from division that says, listen, 
You need to have a temporary person appointed. We're going to give it to Curtis Manning because he's he's our number two guy. And, and he's 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 black. So we're, we're going to finally break the mold and not give it to a white guy. Um, nobody says it, it, it. Nothing makes sense about Heller being able to make the call on this. And then how easily he's persuaded. Oh, Tony used to do this job. OK, how many years ago? He knows none of these people. We've already established he knows nobody there. He doesn't know their system. They got video phones now. Tony's never used a video phone. They don't even open sockets anymore. McLennan Forrester opened <laughs> sockets this episode. But CTU hasn't opened a socket all season. T- Tony is so out of the loop. It makes no sense why he would be appointed. What makes this even better is that Curtis has a good point. And I do like a little bit of the back and forth. Again, if they had bothered to go anywhere with this, because they even have the scene where Tony's talking to Curtis and he says something about, you know, um, I don't need to fight for uh, this position. I already have it. And Tony almost has a little bit of attitude about it, but then he kind of like buries the hatchet with Curtis. They don't go anywhere with this. If this had been a two, three episode thing, like you said, it is 20 minutes. Now, here is the best part about this 20 minutes. Tony is put in charge. And the one thing he does other than talk to Jack on MSN Messenger is he says, listen, I'm taking temporary command. I want meetings with every department head every 15 minutes. He had the chance to fulfill one of those because 20 minutes later, he's out of there. Um, that, that's the that's way about that 10 fun- minutes longer than they usually take in between meetings. Usually it's every five minutes they have yeah, meetings exactly. at CTU this season. <laughs> All right. Our 5-10 uh, meeting has wrapped up. <laughs> Just enough time to start the 5-15, everybody. Uh <laughs> But that last scene, like I, I praised um, William Devane all season. Like you give him the cheesiest lines and he knows how to make it work. He has no idea how to make it work. It's like somebody from uh, Michelle Dessler. Do you know her? <laughs> Even he's like, who can actually deliver this line with any credibility? How does Audrey uh, I, know everything about it next week? But old daddy-o here is like, Duh. Like, would this make like, the news? He got charged with treason. Surely government yeah. agent gets charged with treason. He's kind of lead story on all the news channels that night. And the fact that he doesn't know that there's a connection between these two people just shows how Heller should never have been the one to make this call in the first place. He doesn't get Alzheimer's until season nine. (laughs) We're years ahead of any excuse that he has for this. The signs were here. (laughs) And like, I I loved Tony's, you know, uh, I'm currently unemployed. And I feel like they're like, yeah, we hit the ball out of the park with that unemployed line. Let's give him another like Tony one liner. It's like, I used to be married to her. I'm like, oh, that one just doesn't land. It lands better than do you know her? But it's just, it's one of these cheesy endings where you're like, come on. Yeah, I think also I'm so confused over the structure of CTU, how it works with the government, because you've got division, whatever that is, and then what, Secretary Heller, the Department of Defense, DOD, which I believe is its own organization, yet next season Homeland Security takes over, which, again, if I've got an American listening right now, Please update me on my structure of how certain departments work in your government. But is Homeland Security not separate to DOD or is Homeland Security under the DO, the Department of Defense? Maybe we can Google that. You know, we're going to get to the revival of 24 and it's like, all right, the Department of Sanitation has made the call and they're sending in your replacement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's odd because, like, again, what and again, I was really thinking about it this time around. Why is the Secretary of Defense of the United States of America just sitting at a desk in a suburban no. Los Angeles like government facility? Like, 
I mean, let's, let's right now. I'm Googling this right now. Secretary of Defense. I don't know who the Secretary of Defense is for the United States. It is Lloyd J. Austin III. Good for him or her. I'm guessing it's a him. It is a him. Look at him. He's very smiley. He's looking good. I don't think that Lloyd Austin III is going to like a regional office in Los Angeles to sit at his desk and chat on MSN to people. Like if there's shit going down, he's just like going to be at the White House or like in a bunker somewhere. Like he was kidnapped earlier today. This is a USA <laughs> Like, if somebody farts near Joe Biden and it's slightly terrorist-related, he's fucking locked away for six months. Like, I'm sorry, the Secretary of Defence, who has been kidnapped, is just chilling in a cell. I'm going out to Denny's to get myself some pancakes. I'm a little bit hungry. You want some? Like, come on. I Like... I, I think obviously when something like this happens, there is a reason which I don't think it's ever explained in the show, but one of the commentaries I listened to, they did say, oh yeah, you know, we kind of thought to ourselves, eh, how long do they have to be in the air? But then of course you would probably have this. Like, So I think it's something that they realized after the fact. I'm like, yeah, you know, we actually have a reason why Air Force One should still be up there, but all the, the different leaders are going to be in secure locations. Okay. Maybe CTU is not that secure. Okay. It was bombed two years ago. Uh, but uh He's sixth in line. So right now, Heller is five steps away from becoming president of the United States. The Secretary Four, of Homeland soon, Security. This episode. I see. Yeah, exactly. Spoiler He's going to be moving up. <laughs> he should be in a much more secure facility than this. The Secretary of Homeland Security is actually off the list. If the one I'm looking at here stops at 16, and the next one on here, which has no number assigned to it, is Secretary of Homeland Security. So that's how Kevin Sutherland gets a job in um, Designated Survivor. He was above that well, guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just step below the the Secretary of Sanitation. I mean, the, 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 I I really think that if you if you're gonna have him here, that there is reason for him to be here. It is a secure location, but I think that Heller, especially as the first one who is targeted on this day of terror, would be in a much more secure location and not be making any calls right now. But is it a secure location? Marianne snuck in pretty easily as a freaking mole. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like. Forget about that it was bombed two years ago. Yeah, we've had a mole in this And a car facility. bomb in the car park like two hours yeah. ago. <laughs> like, he on. should be so out of there. Just also quickly, from what I can tell quickly here on a two-second research, which just to be honest, Sarah had 90 seconds of research last week and found out a lot. Um, the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Defense not connected. Uh, the Department of Defense child agencies are the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, NSA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, the Geospatial Intelligence, I want to work for them, and the National Reconnaissance Office, whereas Homeland Security, there's too many here to name, but some of the ones underneath it include the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, there you go, you might have heard of FEMA, U.S. Customs and Border Protection, United States Citizen and Immigration Service, and uh, the one that's really important here, the Office of Public Affairs. Uh, so I, they're, they're, they're rival well, agencies and yet next season they're connected. So, okay. And the thing is, is that when I was watching the show during its original run, I always kind of had the assumption, oh, they don't say it, but CTU is under the CIA, which it wouldn't be. It, it would it would actually be, that would be the last organization it should be under because CIA doesn't operate, you know, in a homeland. 
Uh, so Homeland Security makes sense. I think Department of Defense makes sense. FBI makes total sense. I think FBI actually makes more sense than anything else. But yeah, uh, yeah where CTU operates under has never been consistent even in the show. Maybe it doesn't operate. Maybe it's it's just one of these branches where it's like, all right, so uh, we've got a little bit of a shakeup here. You guys are going to be under Homeland Security this week. Well, I, I, yeah, true. And I know CTU is fictional, but like, I mean, I think Homeland Security makes the most sense because Homeland Security was implemented, what, in 2000, just after 9-11. So I think kind of yeah. like counter-terrorist unit this sort of stuff and then we see that in 24 like seven is the fbi season eight we go back to ctu nine is the cia season because they're in london so um you know they fluctuate um marwan catches a bus and hugs a man that's about it <laughs> well let's not forget they, they, they show this is what i thought last week uh that was in last week episode they show the young marwan photos and everything there which i don't know what it is about arnold Vosloo. i mean 10 years made a huge difference because he's unrecognizable in yeah. those young photos. And it is young Arnold Oslo. I actually felt like, I don't know if you'll know who this is uh, immediately, but Michael Vartan, who's the, um, uh, I guess the male lead on alias, mm. uh, young Arnold Vosloo looks identical to Michael Vartan. So, uh, alias 24 connection there for me. Cause I, I looked at that and I'm like, is Michael Vartan in this season? I forgot about that, but yeah, I can't even recognize young Arnold Vosloo. And yet it's, it's not that long in between probably when those pictures are taken and even the mummy a couple of years earlier. I actually the thing I like, it's short and sweet, but I, I kind of like, like him catching the bus and he's got this weird little moment where he smiles at a child. And then I like this kind of setup. Like, again, I like this big build up to what's going to be the next big terrorist plot because you don't know, like they don't give it yeah. away. It's smart. And then next week we get a great line from him about the president or oh, the president. Like, you know, like it's, it's, it's great. So I love these little seeds that they're planting here because it, it's, this is a stronger storyline. This episode, these two scenes with Marwan, um, because I even like this little moment with this other guy where he's just basically like, yes, you can do like, what is he like? Oh, the, the nuclear plants didn't melt down. That's a shame, but we're on to our next plan. Okay. I've got Jenny. She'll get you out of the country. What about you, Marwan? And they have this little sad scene. They hug and then they bugger off. Like, it's nice. Like I'm not rooting for the terrorists here, but like, it's, it's the best scene of the episode maybe. So mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Um, Jack, <laughs> oh, God, oh, Okay. So Jack is outside the building and I, I do love like the line when Jack's sort of like, I think Marwan has escaped. It's like literally at the end of last week, you're like, he's decided just disguised as a CTU agent. Poor like Frank or whoever he was, he got murdered last week by Marwan. Bugger him. He's off. Okay, cool. Rest in peace him. So like within two seconds here, Jack's all like, oh, we've got a phone call. McLennan Forster and Curtis being typical Curtis. They're the agency we talked to earlier about the override device. Like, <laughs> fucking thanks, Curtis, mate. Cheers. He's all like, Jack, I'm going to come with you down the thing. And Jack's like, no, you're black. I'm white. I'm going there by myself. Okay. I'll take the other white guy with me though. Right. Poor Curtis. Everyone's racist this week. Like they're just, the white guys can do everything. Poor old Curtis just stands around being obvious. Like I, I black lives matter. I'm offended for him this week, but anyway, so Paul, I do love this moment where Jack's like, Audrey, Paul, how you doing? Uh, Curtis, the black man, he's going to drive you because he's going to do slave work. Cause I'm a racist. Um, <laughs> so and then Paul, you're a white man. You can help me. Um, so Paul's like, Oh, McLennan Forster. Hmm. They've got computers. Yeah, they do. Paul. Hmm. One of those companies that I own, which apparently last week I didn't know much about, but I definitely know about this one. We design their computers. Again, last week, I don't know anything. We own lots of companies. Oh, McLennan Forster, I definitely designed their computers. I'll help. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I like again. I I like where this leads, and I like there's like a scene here with Jack and Paul, which I kind of like. And like again, this leads to maybe the biggest moment of this entire season. This is again laying breadcrumbs for it. But like, uh, uh, like are we dumb as an audience? It's like, oh, conflict in this love triangle. Let's send Paul out into possible danger. That's not going to go a certain direction. Uh. So when Audrey's like, Jack, yes, Audrey, I want you to protect my ex-husband who this season I've been slightly inconsistent about my feelings with. Are you? Can you promise me to protect him? Silence. Jack, I need you to promise me. Yes, I can do that. Thanks, Jack. Beep, beep. As an are audience, there any lamps in the room? <laughs> as an audience, are we going, oh, isn't that nice? Jack's going to protect him. No, we're rooting for Jack to root Audrey. So we don't want him to like, <laughs> fuck Paul. Paul's dispensable. We know he's going to die. Spoiler alert. Uh, what's Paul going to come back next season, happily remarried to Audrey while Jack goes around for Christmas dinner? Oh, Audrey, remember when we used to fuck? Lol, you and Paul had kids. <laughs> Yay, let's play Tiddlywinks. No, this is Jack fucking Bauer. Um, Jack's in the car with Paul. I, I love this conversation, though, where Paul's like, I don't resent you. I wouldn't blame you if you did. Well, it doesn't matter because I'm going to win Audrey back because I talked to her. She <laughs> Definitely has breast cancer. I mean, she definitely has feelings <laughs> for me. And I love, like, I will fight for her and she will be mine. And I, I love Jack's line of like, well, it's not really up to you, mate. 2005 here, quality for all. <laughs> women can make their own minds up. Black people can't do anything, but women can definitely do things. <laughs> well, we will see. And then I, I love that line from Audrey where she's like, Jack, you know, look after him. He's not like you. I want Jack to do what? What? He's got a little dick and I've got a big one. Yeah, I know. Um, so I kind of like that. So they go to McLennan Forster and then, like, I think you mentioned last week about how, like, this is the dumbest storyline of this season is done. Like, I I think this is just such a stupid storyline. We just have, like, there's, a, like, a throwaway line from Curtis at CTU who's like, hmm, McLennan Forster, that company, yes. They might. That company. <laughs> they-, <laughs> they are a company. <laughs> they deal in computers. <laughs> they hire people and employ them and pay their money for salary. Um, like, I love how he's like, hmm, they're not going to be happy that they're being connected to terrorists. They may do something about that. Like, I just want this company to just be like, oh, shit, we had a terrorist work for us. Yeah, best we better compile, you know, comply with the government. But that might look yeah. bad for us. Yeah, but, like, if we set off an EMP and destroy eight city blocks of LA and kill random government agents, might look a little bit worse. So let's go along <laughs> with the investigation and see what... Remember Enron? Oh, yeah, that was bad. Let's, you know, like, we didn't literally hire Marwan on, like, okay, so I see here you're a terrorist. Would you like to be our systems analyst? Uh, like, they can... Under, under the box, are you a terrorist, you... Checked yes. Interesting. <laughs> Nobody's done that before. Tell me a little bit more about your life. Which I don't know if as a Canadian, you probably don't have to do this going to the US, but I remember, I think you still have to do it. There's like the Esther form you have to fill out for the US. And like literally there are questions oh. where it would say like, are you directly involved in terrorism? Or there's like literally is a question where it says like, <laughs> are you or any of your relatives directly or were directly connected to Nazi occupied Germany in the 1940s? <laughs> like I just want there to be like some terrorist out there and goes, fuck. Jim, yes, Sam, because that's very terrorist names. Um, we're flying to the US and it's asking if we're terrorists. Oh, shit, but we are. I know. And mum always told us to be honest. True. Tick the box. All right. 
Are you a terrorist? Yes. Like, I just, does anyone <laughs> ever tick yes to that box? Anyway, so these fucking knobheads at McLennan Ford. So who did you recognize one of our actors here, Colin? Did you recognize oh, Mr. McLennan? Did I? Um, I watched <laughs> this like a Google week ago. <laughs> who Bill, is it? Bill Smitrovich, who um, was uh, the bad guy in November Man. He's uh, what's up, tits? Oh, okay. Who was also the general? Yeah. <laughs> was also the general in Independence Day. So um, yeah, no, okay. So I, I think I would recognize from Independence Day yeah. instead of because when yeah. we did November Man, we were like, hey, that's that random guy in Independence Day who's in it for five yeah. seconds. Yet he's like <laughs> the guy in November Man who's like, what's up, tits or whatever it is. So. <laughs> Uh, that guy. So, yeah, basically it all comes down to evil security man, Mr. McLennan. The government is here because we accidentally hired a terrorist. Shit. Well, let's comply. No, sir. I have a better idea. Let's break the law. Okay. <laughs> so in comes Jack and Paul. How you doing? I'm Jack. This is Paul. We're here to like be government agents and like, you know, do an investigation. Here's his computer. Okay, cool. All right, thanks. Would you like some water? No, I'm good. All right, sweet. So, like, off they go into the little room and they're staring. you got an evil security man. He's like, I'm going to go in their back door and I'm going to fix it. All oh, these guys are good. And, like, and Jack's Mr. Suspicious. Mm, something's not right. I smell things off here. Like, Jack Bauer, smart man. But, like, come on. And I love how he, like, pulls here, like, oh, this is weird. They're doing things. Like, He's literally there because he's a computer guy. And then Jack goes, try F712, shift dash S. <laughs> Paul like, oh, boo, nothing in there. Thanks, Jack. Uh, <laughs> so they're basically, one guy's deleting files. He's fixing shit. Oh, no, they're finding out stuff. You should print something. Oh, no, set off an EMP. But, but sir, just do it. Uh, <laughs> to which the phones start going out. And Tony back at CT, I fucking love this. They're like, Sarah's like, I've tried calling his cell. That's weird. Out of range. And then I love Edgar calls up like Jenny at reception in McLennan Forster. I need to speak to Jack. They don't know who Jack Bauer is. Like, like I need to speak to Jack Bauer. Uh, Jack Bauer doesn't work here. The CTU agent. Oh, I'll connect you. Disconnected. That's weird. And then Tony's like, does I have MSN Messenger open? I think so. <laughs> like, and then I love the Did little- Jack just decide to log into MSN? It's some random office. I want to see his login. It's like, Jack loves taquitos, 4316. Jack sent you a nudge. Uh, (laughs) Remember when you could be offline and you could still talk to people because you wanted to hide from certain people, but then I could like message Colin, shh, I'm really online, but I'm like, I'm hidden. (laughs) Like, how, how does, like, we saw this last week. Like, Edgar could just connect straight into the override in two seconds and stop it. Well, you should have fucking done that before, mate. Now he's just all like, oh, I can automatically connect to the McLennan Forster subnet because they've opened a socket, as you mentioned. <laughs> like, again, this just contradicts technology in this show because he can log into an IM service in two seconds to which Jack's like, oh, because uh, I love the message. What does the message say? Like, Jack, are you there? Dot Tony. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if, let's let's play devil's advocate here. Marwan hasn't worked there for a couple of months. So the person who sat there was Jack, right? And then Tony works down in accounts. They've stayed back late and literally has gone, Jack, are you there? Tony. And Jack's like, oh, Paul, put it onto this screen. And he's all like, yes, I found the documents, blah, blah, blah. And like, no, I just wanted to send you your invoice for your your trip to Bermuda. What? 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 Um, so they've got this fucking back and forth, which is just like, oh, electronics are down, lol. And then Jack's like, 
laughy cry face. Oh, looks like we're in trouble, Ruffle. Uh, <laughs> to which, like, Tony's probably going, BRB, Michelle's here. <laughs> <laughs> with like a shocked face and Jack's written back like the woman you were married to like ghosty with like <laughs> orcs uh, <laughs> basically Jack's like it's an EMP that meanwhile they, they print off like this code I love how like Paul's like we found something. It's literally like X. I could type on a document right now. I could just mash my keys. That is literally what they've typed out. To which Jack goes, it's encoded. What if like fucking Marwan's just like accidentally saved a document of gobbledygook? And like, oh, it's mm-hmm. encoded. So they print it. They literally print a document that says like X, J, D, 7, at sign, hashtag. Like, I mean, that's literally what it says. I can get this back to CTU. They can. I just want there to be an episode in a couple of weeks where Chloe comes back and goes, Jack. Did you just like sit on the keyboard or something? This is nothing, mate. Like, <laughs> fuck. Oh shit. Well, that was for nothing. So it's EMP to which Tony's all like, it's on floor one. Oh my god. Paul, I'm just gonna go with the Paul stuff first because Paul gets a printout, and then the security guard, how you going there, champ? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Where'd Jack go? Oh, the lights are flickering, and because clearly he's got, he- he's got to pay for his trip to Bermuda. <laughs> Somebody in the council wanted to check with his spending at the hotel. Okay, cool. So you were printing something there on the old printer over there. That's correct. Pornography. I was printing pornography. (laughs) What is it with the printer? I love when Jack goes to printer. It's warming up. (laughs) What sort of printers do they have in 2005? They could get the president on Zoom with a movable camera on Air Force One somewhere over the Pacific. But, like, the old laser HP is taking 10 minutes to warm up. Um, and, again, like, Jack, oh, I'm going to go stop the EMP. Again, if it was a blinking light in a box, like, what's Jack going to do? Like, uh, <laughs> I know he's Jack Bauer. But Paul, meanwhile, buggers off and runs away. Um, old captain security guard here chases him down to an office there. <laughs> The funniest part of this entire episode, did you see when this security guard is in the office with Paul Hyder, did you see the sign on the wall? No. (laughs) So this guy's got a gun, Paul's hiding. There is a sign on the wall, and I want us to get to the bottom of this. It says, um, if you you take the last one, please let Maggie know. Now, (laughs) What's the last one of what? <laughs> and who's Maggie? <laughs> this is like the not Penny's boat of 24. <laughs> but, but like, who puts this like, like if it said like, you know, oh, if you're the last to leave, turn the lights off. Or like Maggie sad if you don't wash your cups. Like we've all got signs like at your office yeah. to like, you know, if you make it dirty, clean it. Like things like that. But like if you take the last one, like last what? Last EMP? Last gun? And then what do you have to do? Like, hey, Maggie, I've taken the last EMP. Thanks, Ralph. Like, what if it's like the last sheet of paper in the printer that has to warm up? Yeah. And what if Maggie leaves the company? Then it's like, um, is there a Maggie here? I took the last sheet of paper. Oh, no, sorry. It, it, it's, it's Jenny who does that now. Okay, just print out a new sign that says Jenny. But I just took the last one. How do I do that? If Maggie's not here and I can't find 
Jenny or whatever. It's it's complete mess. And I also want to like talk to the art department of like Fox at the time because like like <laughs> who's they're, Maggie? They're, but they're literally going like, okay, guys, we're at an office. We've got like an EMP. There's stuff. We're gonna have this scene where Paul is hiding, and security guard is gone. So we need to make this look like a very realistic office. Now tell me things that are in an office. Printers, correct. Computers, yes. Desks, yes. Signs on the wall. <laughs> I like it. What's it saying? Clean your cups after you. No, but it's an office, so there's not really a sink. True, okay. Um, turn the light off. Yeah, but, like, that's a bit too obvious. People expect that. Okay, well, what can we put on there? I know it's a bit left of field, but stick with it. If you take the last one, please let Maggie know. I like it. It's open-ended. People will, you know, talk about that in years to come on podcasts. Um, if we had listeners, I'd love to put this out there to the listeners. Like, what is it that you need to let Maggie know about? So that's the big CTU24. If This was our loss coverage. We had questions every week. Like, well, we're going to answer these one day. Our 24 question sheet, <laughs> what do you need to let Maggie know? So I, a lot of times when you see stuff like that in backgrounds, it's, it's usually in reference to crew members or stuff like that. So yeah. I first tried looking through this episode. Now I've tried looking through all credits of everything, 24, <laughs> like the entire history of the show. There has never been a Maggie who's worked on 24. The closest we get is there are two characters named Maggie. One appeared uh, prior to this in day two, uh, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., which I don't know what uh, that, that would have been the finale, wouldn't it have? Yeah. Uh, so there was some a character named Maggie in the finale of season one who is not even important enough to get on the main page of IMDb here. Um, yeah, who's Maggie? Is it is it the, the the wife of John Cassar? Like, what's John Cassar's wife's name? Well, we need to get John back on the show for the one answer that we all want to know. Who's Maggie? Who? Like, literally, we got John. Thanks for coming back on the show. We appreciate it. Going to start with a very uh, serious question to start the interview <laughs> with. Who's Maggie? <laughs> Like, but he could be like he, he could either go one of two ways. Could literally be one of these people who are like, "Fuck, I've directed like seven hundred episodes of TV. I barely remember what I did last week for dinner." Or he could be so in love with his show, where he's like, "Are you referring to episode twelve of season four at minute thirty-seven point two? Yeah, <laughs> that's Maggie, my dog. <laughs> yeah, dog. I've been waiting forever for somebody to ask that ask that one. Before I get to the EP, I love the bit though when like whoever it is rings up like Frank Downey, like. The guy who sets up the EMP, he's literally, you see this room, it says like electronics room. He's literally walking there around there with a the clipboard going, hmm, screen seven is showing the number seven, correct. <laughs> screen eight is showing number eight, correct. Sign asked to let Maggie know, correct. <laughs> and then he gets his phone call. It's like, Frank, it's George. G'day, George, how you doing? Good. Yeah, right. Um, Set it off. Oh, but we're not scheduled to do a test till tomorrow. No, set it off. And he doesn't ask questions. Like, okay, remember that famous story about that like Russian general who like saved the world because they got that mistaken like signal to launch a bomb on America, but he like questioned it. Like, mm. should this not be the case here? Like, he's shit at his job. So he sets off the EMP. Jack comes running arm. Jack Bauer gonna stop the EMP. Is this not the most cringeworthy, stupid scene in twenty four? This I this honestly might be the worst scene we ever get in this series. And I'm talking season mm-hmm. six, seven, uh, legacy. We get Jack Bauer running up to it, which he talks to himself. He says something like, it's not going to stop because he's like pressing buttons on the computer. <laughs> I should have let Maggie know. She would have been able to stop this. 
To which he then runs up to the door. He grabs. What makes this worse is it's not like we just get like a long shot of Jack going like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like they then decide to do this like super close up on his face, like, blah. like remember when we season one when he got like tasered when he found like Lou Diamond Phillips and we fucking loved it. Then in season two when he's yelling at a helicopter, like Jack Bauer yelling at shit's great. This is so dumb. And like, what's John Kazar saying? All right, Kiefer, I want you to run towards the door. Okay. And I want you to grab it. Okay. And then I want you to scream. You're struggling. Struggle, Kiefer, struggle. It's like, okay, John, but what am I struggling about? Just just struggle. Scream. <laughs> like, just, you know, we're going to put lights behind you. It's going to look spectacular. Everyone's going to, this is going to win us Emmys, Golden Globes. And then, like, it's just so bad, which is just, it's a shame because then we kind of get a really cool scene of Paul looking at lights go off. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. If we were doing, like, the top five worst scenes of this season, this is number one. I hate Jack Bauer trying to stop an EMB. And I, I'm on board for Jack Bauer does random things. This is dumb. This season we've seen him rob a convenience store and try and stop an EMP. It's terrible. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get to the EMP in a second. Uh, some of the other stuff, yeah, this McLennan Forrester stuff. To me, this reminded me of like Palmer drama from past seasons, except it has no build. You know, this is mm, yeah. something that if you had done this throughout the season, you had somebody saying, "Oh, there's this McLennan Forrester thing," and it's not tied to the rest of it. And then you find out on episode twelve, oh, this is tied to it. Then it makes more sense. But yeah. you also said like. Have this have a tie to to Arnold Vosloo. There's no reason why this needs to be. Oh, I, I could just see Marwan right now. He's like, well, gee, I was just going to shoot a bunch of kids on a playground. But man, somebody <laughs> set off an EMP. This is making me look real good. Yeah, good point. <laughs> it, it, it's just if, if this had been tied to him in any way, then I feel like it works. Even have one person at McLennan Forrester when everybody is like, oh, what are we going to do? And he's like. I think we need to set off the MP. Well, why? That's illegal. It's like, yeah, but it's our only choice. And then you find Marwan, they bought it. But that's, but that's actually, that's a great point. Like I was just thinking that like literally have it where like this secure, all you need is one scene with this security guard and he's been working with Marwan. He let him in. He's working yeah. with terrorists. Like kind of like what we had with the guy that Audrey saw that, you know, that she recognized. Like, all yeah. you need is one scene where security guards on the phone to Marwan. And it's like, they found out you worked for us. And Marwan's just like, well, you've got that EMP. Why don't you set it off? Well, that's hard, my one. You can do it. You know that was like plan D. Like, that's all you need. Yeah. That's a good point. Exactly. Yeah, and the fact that we are introduced to these characters, what, once earlier in the season, yeah. and now they come back just for this. And like, half of next week. Confirm this for me. Uh, yeah, the, 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 it's basically mentioned. And here's the, the really frustrating thing about this, is that we're one episode removed from Jack electrocuting Paul because his name was on a lease when he owned a corporation. And then he's just like, oh, well, I accept you have nothing to do with this. Suddenly it's like, McLean and Forrester, why I have ties to them? That's when Jack should be electrocuting. (laughs) He doesn't even question it here. You're actually saying Paul is innocent, but we're going to make him more suspicious and have nobody question it. It's incredibly frustrating. It's like they're not even planning one week to the next. And in some cases over the last couple episodes, we're finding they're not even planning from scene one to scene, you know, 28 at the end of the episode. Yeah. it's also way too slow. 24 does this. You you go from something really big and you know, as much as I think you definitely were more down on last week, but we both were very high on the big showdown with Jack and Marwan, the office body slam challenge, you know? Um, Jack body slammed someone in this episode too. We should have mentioned that. But like you go from such a big action episode 
And then you're going to have to slow down. But like, this is really so this is like, all right, it's our only lead. Let's drive in a car and start politely asking people questions and then print out something that means nothing to the audience. It's so boring. Um, and and it, it, because it goes nowhere, it's even more frustrating. Uh, weirdly, I kind of like the MSN thing for a brief minute, like, when it starts, it, there's this quietness that's going on, like, oh, something tense is happening. It's like, wait, but this is encrypted. Oh, they're going to be trying to do something. And then Jack's chatting to Tony, and you don't have to have a lot of dialogue. So, that, I mean, the music really kind of builds the tension there, which helps. Um, but then it just keeps going and going. And at one point, I'm wondering, like, okay, cell phones aren't working. I get that. The EMP is charging or whatever. It's like, if the EMP is already affecting the phone lines, phone lines operate on electricity still. I mean, it is very low voltage electricity, but it is still electricity that that's cut out. But like your internet's still working fine. Like I don't buy it. I mean, yeah. somebody has dial up uh, along the line here. McLennan Forrester probably doesn't, but uh, I don't think it should just be working. It's gone on too long, this chatting thing. So you really start to question, why is this even working? And then you're questioning, well, who logged in? Why did they log in? How did they get a hold of each other so quickly? You've got um, mail. <laughs> you've got mail. It's like, hold on, hold on. I got a game of Candy Crush here I got to finish. Uh, but like one thing I do like is the, the whole encrypted thing. Like, again, you ask so many questions, um, not you specifically, but the audience is asking so many questions about this encrypted. Okay. So you can somehow take an encrypted printout and then somebody's got to input this. All right. So we got an X and then <laughs> what is that? Is it, is it a hyphen? No, no, it's an underscore. Okay. <laughs> How long is this going to take? The, it takes forever to unencrypt things when you have the file and a file is unencrypted. You can't just look at random text on a paper and unencrypt it. You don't know what it's tied to. It's not a computer program, but let's just buy along with this whole thing of, okay, we're going to have a printout of an encrypted page. So somebody can take this and decipher it. Why are you taking the time to do that? There's a camera on your phone. Take a picture of the screen. Oh, they're on MSN. You can send files on MSN. Can't like Tony just like accept a file off MSN on the chat transfer. Yeah, or take a screenshot. Here, I'm going to text it to you because texts are still working. Like yeah. the, the, the landlines are down. That doesn't mean the cell phones are down. Um, Copy the and paste into the yeah, chat. Exactly. <laughs> control A, control C, control V. There exactly. you go. We got it. Um, those are the hotkeys. Edgar didn't teach them last week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the McLennan Forrester logic here, like this is why you really needed one person, like you said, on the inside. Uh, because... These people are like, we could go to prison. Okay, there's going to be some evidence you set off an EMP. And I think it's Tony or Edgar who's like, we've got a helicopter this in the city. Tell them to land. They're going to crash. How many other things are going to There's not just be one helicopter affected by this, let alone, I mean, we had the major blackout here. I think it was like 2003, 2004. There was like a massive blackout that affected like New York and Ontario and everything. And it lasted for, I think, like a whole day or something like that. And it took place overnight during the summer um, in a much colder climate than California. There are people in high-rise buildings who are dead by morning when you you set off this EMP. Uh, there is no way these guys didn't kill people. The, the idea that they're like, but we could go to prison, so let's do something far worse than be implicated that we hired a terrorist who we weren't aware and we have plausible deniability on it. Now let's kill a bunch of people and cause millions of dollars in damage and set off an EMP. That's 
completely traceable. And they throw, they have a throwaway line of, because I think um, the boss guy is like, but sir, they'll know what's up. And he's like, <laughs> no, but they will blame Marwan. Well, like you then literally go around shooting at people. Next episode, yeah. you're like crushing Paul's hand in a filing cabinet. Like, I mean, you've got all this evidence against you now. So when this day <laughs> settles and you've got Senate committee hearings, you're yeah. fucked. Like you've just and, you've and come across more guilty now, you dickheads. I love the idea that they'll blame Marwan. Then they're going to ask, why is Marwan in your company? Yeah. <laughs> Which brings you right back to what you're doing this in the first place. And like, I think you make a solid point. Like, where's the build up? Like it's, and this is what I hate about the storyline because, okay, you've got a throwaway Zoom call meeting with him a couple of episodes ago, but like it comes out of nowhere and it goes nowhere. Now they revisit sort of this idea of a private contract company in control, like, if you remember sort of what happens next season with the big twist, basically that's sort of controlled by Jack Bauer's family who are then controlled by fricking um, John Voigt's company who are then controlled <laughs> by uh, Will, what's his face's company. And it all like leads into the end of season seven. And it's so shit. Like this is some of the worst stuff we get in 24s, but they have this idea of kind of like a private contract company that's controlling the government. Like, I see what mm-hmm. they like. They obviously liked this idea enough to expand on it in future seasons and great. They just fuck it up epically. So I think there's bad signs here for this storyline moving through into mainly six and seven. There's, you know, elements in five, but then you get your man Cole Flora or whatever his name is basically yeah. is a victim of all of this and everything too. But um, yeah, it's just, it, it's a great point you make. Like it just, it comes and goes and it's just like, cool. But like, the one thing I'll say, as I keep saying about this episode, is that it's a flash in the pan. We have one more episode that I will spoil that I will bin this season. The next couple of weeks are rents, but then we get into some really good stuff. And I think the one positive I can take away from the crap that this is, is that, again, as I said, there's seeds here that are expanding on what's going to get to some really good stuff. Whereas mm-hmm. when we start getting to the shit in six and seven it doesn't pick up. Like as soon as you hit that wall, you've got to ride the shit. Same with legacy. There's like one bad episode in season five, but like that then kind of, it's a, it's an anomaly. You get back to good stuff. So um, I don't know if you'd finish your talk and I'm getting sort of to the wrap up here, well, but like, it's, it's just, there's some crap in this episode, but thank God it doesn't really last long term this season. Yeah. I, I'm still uh, going to, talk about the EMP moment sure. for a minute because yeah. that's too epic not to, but, but just one thing you, you mentioned there, it's funny that you, you talked about season six, because when this storyline was going on in this episode, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, imagine if they could have had a bigger plan for this and tied this season into season six, because like you said, the whole privatized arm military thing and, and a privatized company here and a subcontractor, like, this is the first time that they're really exploring outside the government, which was a real thing that was going on at the time. But they just, they totally dropped the ball here because these guys are basically like, oh, gee, I didn't realize we hired a terrorist. Well, that's bad for us. <laughs> like, have somebody in there that knew what they were doing. You know, how did Marwan get in? Because random security guy said, ah, I got an employee referral for you guys. His name's Marwan, very American, don't worry. Um, but, but yeah, there's nothing here to, to have this be anything other than just a bunch of corporate imbeciles who didn't realize what they were doing and then they did something 10 times worse. Before you get to the EMP, let's, let's use an example in the real world here. When Netflix found out that Kevin Spacey was allegedly a bit of a bad dude, did they go, hmm, we can fire him from House of Cards and own up that we shouldn't have hired him and we will get better? 
or we're going to hide all evidence of it and set off an EMP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Netflix took their lumps, was like, our bad, shouldn't have hired Kevin Spacey. Let's do a really horrible season of House of Cards to make it up for it. Sorry, Robin Wright, you just got wasted in that season. And then let's just move on and go on and do other things. But no, yeah. we'll set off an EMP instead. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, come on. Anyway, yes. You know, when, when back in the day when Noah said something racist, you know, Ben didn't say, you know what, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to apologize, even though it wasn't me who said it. I'm going to spend years taking the blame for the racist things Noah said. No, Ben said, I'm setting off an EMP. And now yeah. everybody knows. <laughs> I'd like to put Max Dawson on an EMP, really. Was it? Um, yeah. That's- but one more thing before we get to the EMP moment here. Jack's entire job is basically protect Paul here. He is a civilian who has graciously helped you. He's done a bang up job here of helping you, despite the fact that you should be questioning a little bit more why he has ties to McLennan Forrester. There's no reason why you should be questioning other than the fact that you questioned him earlier for much less suspicious things. But the first thing he does is, all right, Paul, we're in danger here. You're on your own. See ya. And then runs out the door to do what? To try to hold back an EMP with his arms? Like, nothing. The, the most important thing is let's get this data to CTU. And he thinks to himself, I'm going to stop an EMP. Makes no sense at all. And, like, even, and, and this is where when we get to how everything's going to wind up with Jack, Audrey, and Paul later on, we're kind of just adding fuel to the fire here against Jack, where it's like, yeah, you know what, Jack, you kind of had it coming. Like you, 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 you've been a dick to Paul since day one. <laughs> but um, the EMP get moment, his promise to Audrey, like, yeah, I'll exactly, totally help yeah. fuck this guy, you die. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm literally just co- collecting like all points now of the things that Jack does to seal his own fate, uh, in terms of like the whole Paul and Audrey thing here, uh, and we can compare notes at the end of the season, uh, but. Um, yeah, the way that uh, Jack holds back this EMP, like it's hilarious. And uh, I, I think I mentioned uh, the last episode that uh, I didn't intend to watch this one. But then when I saw the screenshot of they, they put this image on the DVD, like they were proud of it. <laughs> Jack, it's, it's on the, <laughs> uh, the 24 week. Actually, I don't know if it's in the book. Keep talking. I'll see if they put it in the book as well. <laughs> What what I, I was really debating whether I agreed with you about being okay. This is like the most cringeworthy moment in twenty four because I think we've had much worse moments. But let's take the Cougar as an example. The Cougar is partly bad because it was done so poorly, and even they knew they're like, oh, we had a problem. The Cougar attacked Kim. Um, we can't shoot the Cougar. We're gonna have to shoot around it, and then it looks really bad. They actually nailed this. If this had been something that Jack could physically stop. This is well filmed. I mean, the idea an EMP looks like this is ridiculous, but it looks cool, right? Uh, the idea that Jack is like, no, if there was a way he could physically hold it back or he was sacrificing himself, it makes sense. But it's the fact that an EMP doesn't look like that. And it's the fact that Jack, even Jack knows you can't do anything. And you add the scream on there. If this were anything else, it's well done. But it's mm, the fact well that this done. is an EMP, very well done, yes. Like your taquitos and your steak, it's well done. Uh, but it's the fact that this is an EMP where it's like nobody in the right mind is watching the scene and not going like, what is he expecting it's, to do? This is Jack Bauer on like floor 87 of the World Trade Center going, no! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also the thing that's also stupid about it is that like they literally like him grabbing on, they cut to Paul, the great shot of the lights going out. Let's say 30 seconds. 
Next shot, Jack's sprinting up the stairs. So what did he go like, ah, oh, well, that's a shame. Off we go. <laughs> like, <laughs> and wouldn't there be, like, I get that, like, this only, like, affects electronic things, but there's still got to be some sort of energy pulse or something like Goldeneye. There was, like, a flash, like a laser. Like, surely there's got to be some residue or, like, some, I don't know, like, a, it, electronic something that's going to electrocute Jack. If nothing else, he's bumping into some walls because the blinding light from this EMP <laughs> has temporarily caused some vision issues. Yeah, he thinks it's a helicopter, basically, maybe. <laughs> but um, I actually, like, I get the big Michelle reveal is a good plot twist, pl- uh, plot ending. Uh, cliffhanger, that's the word I'm looking for. But I think almost the shot of Paul looking out the window and the lights going off is a yeah. cool end of an episode. You know? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, this, this, really. Can I? I just, I'll say this now. I've actually thought this for the last couple of weeks. One of the biggest problems of the season is their desperation with cliffhangers. Yeah, and um, it, it obviously this is the season where it was all aired one week after the other. I mean, you didn't. I feel like if any season, you don't have to be that desperate with the cliffhangers at this point. But every week, the issues seem to be the cliffhangers, and they're just throwing something out there where it's like, this will be an incredible cliffhanger. It's like they're overthinking things in past seasons. They're always like, all right, so where do we want to end off that will make you want to watch next week? And this week they're like, all right, what do we want to write in there that only is there to be a cliffhanger that doesn't even tie into the rest of the episode. It's just, it's, it's really not working. I'm, I'm struggling to think about more than one or two good cliffhangers this entire season. We're halfway through. Uh, that we, I can definitely tell you we've got, two great cliffhangers to come. Don't worry. Um, and I mean, I think that's a good point because I will say that the season finale of this season is one of the most anticlimactic, not great finales of any season besides the season seven finale, which uh, is one of the worst episodes in 24 history. Um, this is probably the worst finale. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take a look at that. And correction, I said that next season there's only one bin episode. There's two. Just I looked at my list. Um, I'm sure people are going to pull me up. Ben, a season ago you said there was this. Like, you know, both our listeners really care. Um, 24 Wiki, apparently there's a deleted scene with Marwan saying goodbye to his wife um, and son. So we never got to see that. Uh, this is the only episode of season four in which no characters died. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, I do love, I love it when Except the guys in the helicopter, they're not living. Yeah, and the, the guards. Oh, no, they don't die the next week, do they? Uh, I don't know. Jack body slams two people. So um, I love how this one here, Rekka Ellsworth returns as Michelle Dessler in the last few seconds of the episode and for the rest of the season, but is incredited for obvious dramatic reasons. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, I think IMDB had one here. Um, when Hella tells Tony to call Division in order to get a replacement for Driscoll, Tony mentions that he ran CTO office for two years and could run things temporarily. In truth, Tony ran the office for three years. He became director of CTU during the first year of Palmer's term and was relieved with the full... I mean, I appreciate the technicalities of one person here. That's my type of correction. Good job, unnamed IMDB source. Well done for you. Uh, I'm going to say it was Maggie. Um, so <laughs> Maggie had to be, <laughs> had to be Maggie. Uh, and in the book, there's something about costume designs, but cool. Um, this is a bin. If you didn't know, yeah. <laughs> uh, are you going on the same direction as well? 
Yeah, and you know, looking at my list, it's interesting. In season three, um, I think I only binned one episode the whole season. Yeah, I didn't binge um, from memory, did I? Yeah, I yeah, I, I'm pretty sure because the one time I binned, I was like on borderline, and you hadn't binned I anything. Yeah, yet. you binned episode nineteen, and I yeah, because I went on a streak of not binning anything from episode 20 of season two through to episode four of this season. And now I've been four this season. Um, well, and th- this is my fourth bin. So I've, I've been a third of this season, but I think the biggest difference is outside of this episode, the other three that I've been are like, it's so bad, but it's kind of fun still. And I think that's the biggest difference is a season four when it's bad, it's still fun. Jack Robbie, a convenience store. You're, you're laughing at it. It's ridiculous, but it's still entertaining. This is the first time this season where it hasn't even been entertaining. So if, if some of the other dumb things in these episodes that have dragged them down had been slightly better, I think this season is really right up there with season one and season three. It's just this one episode sticks out like a sore thumb. Cause it's just boring. I, I completely agree. I'm just looking here. This is um, I've been four in season two. So this is an equal most season. So I spoiler, alert, I've been one more episode this season. So will break the record but like and you've been six in season two um but i completely agree and that's what i think i've said a lot like there's some bad in this season there really is but on the grand scheme of things season four is a great season in my mind mm-hmm. whereas like again even like like season five an amazing season but there are still two rubbish episodes in it season one i love season one but what i think i've been two three in that season and then like Six and seven, we'll just skip over those seasons, shall we, and get straight yeah. to season eight. But even season eight, which there's a couple of badness in season eight, even season nine, there's a bit of bad in season nine. But, like, I think eight and nine are very strong compared to, you know, it's going to be tough to rank them against a four and a three. Uh, mm. And then six and seven, well, I think you're going to know it's at the bottom along with Legacy. So, um, <laughs> anyway, but there's some good in seven and some good in six, but mainly shit. But anyway, um, yeah, bin for me, obviously. Uh, Rankings-wise, I'm going to be intrigued to where you go with this. Uh, I have this as the third worst episode of all time. Uh, I have this at 82 out of 84. So, I've still got Terry Gets Amnesia, episode 17 from season one, and The Cougar is still at the bottom. So, um, third worst episode of all time for me as of right now. So, I have this as my fifth lowest episode i've got uh three episodes from season two below it and one episode from season one episode 14 from season one which i think was the whole random ctu guy has a grudge against jack yeah um, that's, but uh, i've got that pretty low that's my sixth worst seventh worst yeah yeah so number 80 overall for me and then what's that 82 for you 82 for me out of 84 episodes. So um, so this is the only episode that's in both of our bottom five. So, I mean, average-wise, this is... you've got is the Cougar part- in your bottom five, don't you? Well, which one's Cougar? Episode is that 11? 11. Yeah, then that's in... Yeah, that's lower than this. If you don't have Cougar so there we in your go. bottom five, get so off this this, this in the... This and the Cougar are the only two that we uh, are kind of in agreement are bottom five episodes. I want to give a bit of a spoiler because no one's going to remember this and no one gives a shit. There are 216 episodes overall, including Legacy. I didn't rank Redemption. That's a separate, you know, I classify that as a movie. Mm -hmm. Out of 216 episodes of 24, the Cougar episode on my list came in at 195. So uh, (laughs) there are nearly 20 worst episodes to come. Wow. And as a spoiler alert, this episode comes in at 181 out of 216. So there is uh, 35 more episodes to come 
that well two have already been so 33 episodes to come that are worse than this uh and i will look at this list and say the majority of them are in three seasons Uh, (laughs) (laughs) there is actually there is one episode next season that i have worse than this um and the rest are all in six seven or legacy (laughs) so (laughs) that goes to show you where we're going in that, uh, spoiler alert, literally my bottom six episodes are all legacy. <laughs> um, so there you go. Look forward to that. Next week is a slight improvement. I will say it's not a bit next week. I've rented next week. Spoiler alert. Um, Jack and the gang get out in a dark Los Angeles. We see how quick LA Los Angeles are quick to write and kill people within 10 minutes of an EMP going off. We meet a friendly couple of neighborhood men who may be of a different ethnicity to show that they're not all terrorists because they also own guns and can shoot the bad guys as well. And Paul might meet something in his body that may have implications <laughs> towards future episodes. Um, and somebody gets fired. There's some mild office flirting going on, even though they hate each other. It's, a, it's, a, it's an episode. Uh, have you watched it yet? No, I haven't. I mean, I, looking at the next episode, um, I remember it vividly, though. I would say the next two or three episodes, it looks like I have very, very strong memories on. I can't tell you if they're fond or uh, negative, but uh, I'm looking forward to it because uh, the blackout stuff, that's where whenever 24 does something where you can kind of identify with it. And it's interesting because I think this is right around the time or just after that big New York, Ontario blackout. So they're probably thinking, well, what is something that audiences identify with? Cause they can't identify with a virus. Nobody in America will ever know what it's like to live through a virus. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fun stuff's coming. Just not for Paul. Cliffhanger of uh, third watch season three, the finale of season three was a super hot day in New York that resulted in a blackout. And then they had kind of like riots in New York overnight. And then they start. So they kind of did that in uh, third watch. And that would have been a couple of years before this, that season. So Blackouts were on the mind of everybody in the early 2000s. It was trendy. It's trendy to do blackouts. Um, And it's also trendy to like this show on Facebook uh, (laughs) and all the other networks. You'll hear me talk about at the end. Subscribe. In terms of what we've got coming up, Colin and I sat down and worked out a plan for the rest of the year. So uh, coming up next month, I believe, we're kicking things off with, uh, did we say, is it anniversary month to start things off? We're doing straight away? Uh, I think we're doing DC. We are doing DC uh, to start things off. DC part three. Part three, DC part three. And we'll have Oscars. We're going to commit to doing Oscars again uh, for the first time properly in a couple of years. And some other great things this year as well. A couple of old favorites coming back and a couple of new ones. And we're finally doing, we've teased it for about three or so years, we're doing Keyword Month. So, of course, if you listen to our movie recaps, we do plot keywords. So, you know, and we always try and find the funny ones. And we've always said, let's choose the really funniest one that we can find and we'll watch four movies from that month. Won't spoil it now, but we have chosen... A plot keyword, which made our best of last year. So if you listen to our best of last year, you'll know what we're going to be doing. And there are four movies on there that I don't think I've heard of any of the four that we're going to be watching, if I'm completely honest. And apparently, Colin, you told me there's a five-hour movie amongst those four. And I'm committed. Over five hours. We need to watch a five-hour <laughs> movie. I just I wanted, I want to see how much we can actually stay in control of watching that. Imagine if we set the 60-minute rule on the five-hour, 17-minute movie Do recap. <laughs> 
I do. I think like how long have we gone on like Titanic went for about five and a half hours, and that was what a three and a bit hour movie. Um, Titanic Redux coming soon. Um, but outside of that, also, um, I mean, you've seen the whale. I haven't seen it yet because it's not out here yet. But I'm assuming that's probably going to tie more in with our Oscar ones. Um, whether or not we do a separate one, I have no idea. But we'll uh, keep that in the loop and plan that out. Um, other movies that we may see, who knows? It's January. There's a few that are out. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the Whitney Houston one, but whether or not I get around to doing that, we'll see. Um, Patreon, that might happen soon, so stay tuned for that. And we've got plenty of things that will come throughout the year. So that's pretty much all you need to know and stay tuned for and everything else because that's what we do. I'm stretching for time here because... Colin's just gotten a phone call and I can't be bothered editing. So I thought I would just sit here. <laughs> no one's listening to this anyway. So I'll just get Colin to come back on. I'll get him to pretend that he knows exactly what I'm talking about and give a closing line. Because here he comes. He's back. He's ready. And, and donkey. There he is. Which means that I'm going to say I've stretched out long <laughs> enough without having to edit this fucking thing. My name is Ben and I can get you in back doors they don't even know about. Uh, and my name is Colin, and I use the last one. You know where Maggie is? Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the oznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)